going to continue talking about the story of God. And, and the goal in this is that, number one, you could get a good overview of, of the story of Scripture, God's interaction with people in Scripture. And so you see six items that represent that, but there's more than that. It's not just about you understanding the story of Scripture, but what this is really about is us finding how this story, the story of God, is our story. And it's amazing how when we look at each one of these items and what they represent, these things are real in our lives. And so that's what we're really after, is to find how does the story of God intersect with my life? What can I learn from this story? And so, so we started and we talked about um, the fact that we were created in paradise. We, we looked the first week at the creation story and, and Adam and Eve were created in paradise and everything was, was good. Somebody said after the first week they thought I was going to throw this. They said we saw you getting a you know, two-seam fastball grip and thought I was going to throw it. I'm not going to throw it at you. You can ease up unless I see you sleeping. Anyone? I think we're good so far. We made it two minutes in. But, but everything was created and it was beautiful and Adam and Eve were in the garden and they have everything they need and, and the creator God, the God over everything is in perfect relationship with them. But what we saw the first week is even though they had it all perfect, they were in paradise, they were tempted to choose their own way. And so there was a tree and there was fruit on the tree and Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit that God had told them not to eat because they thought that there was something more, something better than what God had for them. And so we saw the beautiful, the beauty of creation, the, the way that it was intended to be, that we would be one with our creator, have everything provided for us, but then we see the fall. The second week, we talked about the fact that God comes in and offers covenant with, uh, to us. So, so we fell. We chose our, our own way. We chose to do it outside of God's plan, and things became a mess. People started hurting each other. Man, when we talk about violence, when we talk about the senseless violence, you don't have to go far in Scripture to find that. In fact, soon after the fall, soon after we decided that God's way wasn't good enough and we chose our own, we started to see senseless violence enter the world. We started to see people making choices that affected others and hurt others. But God comes in and offers a covenant. That's what Pastor Emily talked about last week, and I'm, I'm thankful that, that she was able to speak and, and convey that, and we had some special guests, and that was awesome, but she talked about this covenant that, that God comes in, even though we blew it, even though we chose our own way, God comes in, and says, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And so we see the people of Israel become God's chosen people. And, and, and this is a pretty good deal, because we see in that that God provides, God protects, and God guides. So Adam and Eve blew it, but God comes in and says, I want to walk with you in this journey. I want you to be my people. And then we, we just see these amazing things happen. Number one, he comes to Abraham and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And Abraham says, what are you talking about? I, I can't even have kids. How am I going to become a great nation? But God miraculously works and establishes the people of Israel through Abraham. 
And then we see a little bit down the line that they're, they're, they're enslaved in Egypt. They've gotten off the path again and, and things have gotten messed up and they're enslaved. And what does God do? God delivers them from Egypt, from the messed up situation they were in. We see that as they're wandering through the desert together, God provides food for them miraculously. When, when enemies would come, God would do amazing things like parting the Red Sea and, and delivering them from their enemies. There would be moments where they would be standing there looking at a vast army that was coming after them, and they would think there's no way and God would protect them and deliver them from those situations. And so we see that God gives them victory after victory. God provides for all their needs. And so, so what we had in the beginning, the, the creation that got messed up, God was working to restore through covenant. And, and so, so things were great. That's a pretty good deal, right? How many of you have, have ever just blown it big time? All right, some of you were honest earlier and you're not being so honest now. What a great story that the God who created everything, the God who placed us in paradise, who gave us everything we needed, and we chose a different way, God chooses to continue to come and offer us provision, protection, and guidance. And so God is walking with Israel, and this is a perfect ending to the story, right? But as you can see, there's four more things. And so I want to pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 8. I'm going to read this. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So, so, so far, it's been a back and forth thing, but God is providing and protecting and guiding his people. And what we see here in 1 Samuel 8 is that, that Samuel's trying to do the right thing. So he, he hands it off to the next in line, his family. But then things start to get messed up. And the leaders start to to get after their, themselves, to be selfish, to, to try to do their own thing. Verse 4, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. And this next part is huge. They said, Now appoint for us a king to lead us. Appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. So God comes back in after they've blown it, establishes a covenant that he will be their God, they will be his people, and, and all of a sudden, when things start to get rough, the Israelites want what? They want their own king. They want somebody like everybody else has. They, they want to make sure that they've got a great leader. This is ridiculous, because as we just talked about, they had a great leader all along, and that was the Creator God who provided and protected and guided. But the first sign of trouble, God's people lose their faith in God's covenant and start to seek their own way. We want our own king. We have a short memory, don't we? We have a short memory. I know I do. 
In fact, I was, the, the people of Israel over and over again in Scripture, we see that they forget the good things God has done for them. They forget about the providing. They forget about the protection. And they start to want to do their own thing. And here's the thing. The people of Israel had a short memory when it came to God's faithfulness, but we have pretty short memory on those things too, don't we? We forget pretty quickly the great things that God has done for us. And then the first sign of trouble, it's easy for us to start thinking, oh no, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? I need something that will protect me, something that will provide for me, something that will, will guide me, something that will help me walk this walk. When all along, we have a God who has provided for us who has protected us and has guided us. And so it's the first sign of trouble. God's people lose their faith in the covenant and they seek their own way. But there's another thing I want you to see. This is going to be important. We're going to come back to this later. And this happens in verse 5. It says, it says um, now appoint a king to lead us. And then listen to this last line. Such as all the other nations have. Now, this is huge such as all the other nations have. Think about this. God comes, God establishes the covenant, God delivers them, God gives them victory over other nations, and now the Israelites, who have seen God work, who have seen God's faithfulness, forget about what God has done, and they start to look at these other nations, and they say, wait a minute, we want what they have. Do you see the ridiculousness of this? These nations that God has given us victory over, these kings and kingdoms that God has helped us rise above, we need to be more like them. That makes no sense. But the people start to struggle. The people don't see God with them, and so they need a king. They need something that they can tangibly see that's going to help them with what they're facing. And so in verse 7, we see God's response. It says, And the Lord told him, Listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. <clears throat> as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. And so what we see here is just like we saw in the garden, God gives us choices. God gives us the ability to choose what we're going to do. God lets us choose whether we're going to follow God as our king or whether we're going to get our own king. God gives us choices. We're not forced to serve him. Listen, if you're here today, nobody, God is not going to force you to, to follow him. God is not going to force you to be in relationship. God provides, God protects, God guides, but God will not force you to go along with the program. And, and the Israelites seek their own way. And, and so what we see is God says, okay, you want a king? You can have a king, but God warns us. God warns us. He says, warn them about what's coming. Tell them about what this king is going to mean. 
Just like in the garden, tell them, don't eat from the the tree. It's going to mess things up. Trust me on this. And what do they do? They eat from the tree. Hey, they can have their king, but warn them. So, So we were just on vacation in Florida, and I had this situation play out in my own family. So someone in our family gave money to each of the kids to go and buy things on vacation. And, and this is a scene that if you're a parent, you've had this play out hundreds of times. And, and so we got money to go spend on, we, the kids got money to go spend on vacation. And, and we got to the mall one night. And one of my children, I won't tell you who, I don't want to embarrass him, but one of my children really wanted to go spend their money on a Build-A-Bear. How many of you have been to Build-A-Bear? Okay, I have long said, and forgive me if you're a fan of this place, I have long said that the devil lives in Ikea. I kind of think it might be Build-A-Bear. <laughs> I kind of think it might be Build-A-Bear. And so one of my kids says, hey, I really want to go spend my money on a Build-A-Bear. And I said, come on. Come on. Aren't you a little old to spend your money on a stuffed animal? Don't we have, some of the teens are shaking their head, no. Don't we have 20 stuffed animals sitting on the floor in the basement that you used to think you needed and now they sit on the floor and and just make a mess of our house? Don't, do you really need to spend your $20 on a stuffed animal? Are are you, the bigger question, are you really going to make me walk in to build a bear? (laughs) Is this what you're going to do to me? (laughs) But seriously, I'm like, hey, son, I'm not going to tell you their name, son, you don't want to do this. This is special vacation money. You don't want to spend it on a stuffed animal. I know how you interact with stuff. You just leave them on the floor. You're going to get this stuffed animal you're never going to play with again. It's, It's wasted money. Don't do it. But my son, nope, I want the build a bear. I want that 21st animal to throw on the floor. I think it's going to help me. I think it's exactly what I need. And so we, we walked in to build a bear. And it was an awful experience. It was awful. And we walked through that process where they put it up and they stuff it and they tell him to jump around and pat his head and pat his tummy and all that weird stuff that they do there. And then we got up to the counter and they told me how much it was and I was like, wait a minute, that's more than you had. And he got his Build-A-Bear. But, but that's what's happening here. They've got the king, the true king, the king that provides and protects and guides But all of a sudden, they need something else. They need something like all those other people have. They want one of those kings, that that Build-A-Bear, because that's going to make them happy, and that's going to give them what they need, even though they've had what they need all along. And we see God, just like the Father, say, hold on, don't do this. I want to warn you that this isn't going to end well. But, But the people... Just as we have a tendency to have a short memory, we also have a tendency to be pretty stubborn people, don't we? Nudge the person next to you if they're stubborn. You guys are really... All right. Better yet, wake up. All right. Now nudge the person next to you if they're stubborn. So, so So the people have a tendency to be stubborn, and so we see in 1 Samuel 8, verse 19, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said. This sounds just like 
my son. No, they said. We want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all the people, what all the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. And the Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. So I just want to draw your attention back to this again because oh, this is so important. In verse 20 it says, then we will be like the other nations. The whole point of covenant, the whole point of the people of Israel is that they are God's chosen people, set apart. They have the creator of everything leading them, providing for them, protecting them, guiding them. And they say, give us a king because then we can be like all those other nations. You know, like the one that enslaved us for years and years. You know, like the ones that are killing people. You know, like the ones that are struggling. You know, the ones that we keep defeating in battle. We want to be like them. And so the people are stubborn. And I, I can't help but think this has to be so frustrating for God. I, I know it's, for me as a father, it's frustrating when you try to warn your kids, when you tell them, come on, this isn't the best thing. It, I have nothing in this other than to help you. I don't care what toy you get, but I want you to get something that's really going to help you. And, and you warn them and you tell them, and you'd like to think, you'd like to think, this is kind of funny, as a father, that your voice would matter, right? You'd like to think that you'd, you'd build up some trust with your kids so that if you said, this isn't the right thing, they would listen, right? But people are stubborn and they got their hearts set. And I can't help but think that God's heart just has to be broken when people continually choose things other than God's plan. And I have to think that God's hurting. 1 Samuel chapter 12, Samuel addresses the people. And he says, but when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was moving against you, you said to me, no, we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord God was your king. Now here is the king you have chosen, the one you ask for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. The Lord has given you what you wanted, is what he says. And, and right here, I want to stop. Because I'll be honest with you, if, I, I think if I was God... Once the people chose the apple, I probably would have said, I'm done with you. But maybe, maybe I give them a second chance and I say, let's establish a covenant and we're going to work together and I'm going to take care of you. But man, then they choose a king. They don't want to be God's set-apart people. They want to be just like everyone else. If I were God, I think that would have been it and I would have said, have fun with it. Enjoy the rest of your worthless, pathetic lives. Enjoy hurting, being in pain, but, but we don't see that from God. In fact, in 14, we see something pretty similar to the covenant happen again. It says, if you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, this is kind of funny in the text, good, is what it says. That's a funny scripture. I don't, you guys don't think this is funny. Are you reading with me? If you guys do what's right and you follow me, then good. Things will be okay. But if you do not obey the Lord, and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your ancestors. 
And so here's the crazy thing. If it were me, I'd say, you chose the apple, good riddance. Okay, I'll give you another chance. I'll be your king, you be my people. Wait a minute, you're choosing, you want a king of your own? I'm not good enough anymore? Good riddance, be done. But that's not what God does. God says, listen, I made a promise to you. And even if you don't hold up your end of the promise, even if you don't hold up your end of the deal, I will continue to love you. I will continue to be faithful to you. And I will offer you a new covenant. And I will be your God and you will be my people. And as long as you follow me, as long as you make the right choices, you will be with me and I will provide for you. I will protect you and I will guide you. And so the crazy thing is, God continues to love. God continues to pursue. God continues to offer us relationship and covenant. Even when we break our end of the deal, God offers us his covenant love and faithfulness. And so we're going to pick up the story again next week. I'm not done. Don't get excited. We're going to pick up the story again next week. But what we see happen after this is the people get their king. And some of the kings that lead them are great kings and they experience some good times and they follow God and things are great. And you know what? Sometimes the king that they've chosen is a dud and doesn't do what's right and is selfish and and doesn't follow God. And you know what? In those times, they end up in slavery. They end up in 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 a divided kingdom. They end up... In in exile, and what we see is that last line that said, if you follow me, things will be good. If you don't, you're going to struggle. That plays out in the days to come. So what we see here is the people messed up. God created paradise the way it's supposed to be. The people messed up. God came in and offered covenant, said, I will be your God. You will be my people. At the first sign of trouble, the people chose their king. God gave them their choice and said, but, but... There will be consequences. If you'll follow me, things will be okay. If you won't, it's going to be a struggle. And and that leads us to this time of us choosing our own way. So this is the story of God, but, but today I want to talk about our side of it now because we've talked about the Israelite side of it. Now I want to talk about our side of it. What does this mean for us? How many of you, as I talk about the Israelites making these silly choices, as I talk about the things that are happening, how many of you think, man, those guys and girls are just, they don't get it? How many of you think that? How many of you have ever thought, man, I just don't get it? Man, I... Why do I keep struggling with the same thing? Why do I continue to choose apples? Why do I continue to choose kings of my own when I know that God has provided and God has protected and God has guided? Why do I continually choose other kings? Here's the thing. There's only one king for you today. There is only one king that will give you the fulfillment you need. There is only one God that has created you, and there is only one that you can serve today that will lead you to eternal life and to true contentment and joy. And that's God. That's the creator God. But so oftentimes we trade the creator God, the one true king, 
for other kings, for things that we can see that other people have that we think will give us what we need. Maybe it's the security of a good job. Maybe it's the, the security of trying to take care of your kids. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's money. Maybe, I don't know what it is for you, but we're constantly trading the Almighty God for kings that can't give us what we really need. And so the first thing I think this, this tells us is that if we want to follow the one true God, the only God, the only king that can provide for us, that can protect us, that can guide us into the life we were created to have in the garden, the only one that can give us what we were created for, if we're going to follow that king, it starts with our focus. Focus is the key to God's kingship in our lives. We see from the Israelites that they made the covenant with God. They said, okay, you're our God. You've done great things, but, but when trouble happens, they forget. They start to focus on other things. Your focus matters. When you stop remembering the things that God has done for you, you'll start to trade the God who's provided and protected and guided for things that cannot give you life and fulfillment. If you forget what God has done, if you stop focusing on God, you're going to turn to things that are lesser than God. I promise. It's all through Scripture. Look around you. It's in all of our lives. It's all about our focus. And this is why I'm going to stop and do a, do a little bit of, of imploring to you right now. This is why your personal habits of worship, prayer, reading God's word, being connected to other people that encourage you in your faith, this is why these things are so important because if you stop focusing on the right thing, God, you're going to start focusing on the wrong things and apples and fruit from the wrong tree and, and other kings like everyone else and you're going to get off track, and your life is going to be a mess. Focus is so important. And so what you do every day makes the biggest difference in the world. You can come on Sunday morning, and you can sing together, and you can high-five, and you can say hello to 20 people as you walk in and 20 people as you walk out, but if you're not truly focusing on who God is and what God has done for you, you will stray, and you will trade the God who provides, protects, and guides for silly things like Build-A-Bears, like false kingdoms, like imperfect kings. L listen, we have a lot of imperfect leaders in our day. My, one of the people that I love the most is Shaquille O'Neal. He was a great basketball player. He had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed watching Shaq. Not that he was my leader. I didn't do everything he said. But man, you know, he's a pretty imperfect dude. He, in fact, he's blown it plenty. And maybe there's a, a president, maybe there's a leader, maybe there's a boss that you've had that you would just say, oh, that's, I'd follow them anywhere. I promise you, they cannot lead you the way the one true king can. 
And if we will lose our focus on God, we will turn to lesser things over and over again. You see it in Scripture, you'll see it in your own life, and you'll trade the Almighty God for much lesser kings. The second thing we see, and this is in that first point of focus, is a mistake, and this is a mistake that we make all the time. This is a mistake I make all the time. It's all about focus. And one of the worst things that you can do is to start to focus on what other people are doing, what other people have, what's going on with other people. Because when you start focusing on other people, you stop focusing on God and God's faithfulness. Focusing on others will almost always cause you to lose sight of God. Now, I'm just, I'm going to open up the door to my mind. I'm going to be truthful with you. This is a pastor thing, but this is a real thing. This happened this year on Easter. We had, this sanctuary was packed. We had a wonderful service. I was so pumped up. Everything was good. God, you're awesome. Woo! God, my king is great. God's working. And then, you know, I get home and I open up Facebook and I see other pastors who had a lot more people at their church, who baptized a lot of people, who did great things, and you know what I stopped seeing was God's faithfulness here, and I started focusing on other people and what what was happening over there. I started seeing other people that maybe were more successful than me or, or seemed like they had it all, and all of a sudden what I had didn't seem as great, and my focus shifted from the God who provides and protects and guides to others. How many of you have had this happen? You buy a new house. You love your house. When we moved here from South Carolina, we bought our house. I loved my house from the moment I walked in the door. I walked in, this, this is my house, and I still get to live there. But you know, occasionally I'll go in some of your houses, and I walk out and I think, my house isn't so great. <laughs> and my focus starts to be on other things, and I, I forget the great blessings that God has given me. This is real. You cannot focus on others and keep your focus on the Almighty King. It doesn't matter what it looks like because a lot of times when we're looking at others and seeing what they have, what they present and what they seem to have is not real. I'm not talking about those other churches. That's great. What we have is a real God a real king who loves us enough that when we blow it over and over again, God offers us chance after chance. And God wants to provide for us, protect us, and guide us. So we can't lose our focus. The second thing we learn from the Israelites is that our choices have consequences. God gives us the choice. You have the choice every day who you're going to serve. Are you going to follow the the God, the king over everything, or are you going to follow other things? You have that choice every day. But there are consequences to your choices, and choosing other kingship will bring consequences. You may not see it today. You may not see it tomorrow. But I promise you, If you're not living for God, if you're not allowing God to be your king, you will experience the consequences of lesser kings. I'm afraid for us. I'm afraid for us. Because I'm afraid that too often we trade 
God for things that, that can't fulfill us, for better jobs or harder work or a busier schedule or being thought of better or trying to get our kids into college or trying to get our kids a scholarship or trying to make as much money so I can have the nicest house. I'm afraid that we are trading the almighty God, the king of our lives for things that are much lesser. And there are consequences. And I'm not trying to be mean to any of you. I, I love all of you and I'm not talking to any single one of you, but I've seen, I've seen that we are less committed to the almighty God, the king of everything who has provided and protected and guided, seems like sometimes we're willing to trade that for things that just can't give us what we need. I've seen it happen. I've seen God save people from very difficult places and they're all in for God, but they lose their focus and they start to trade God's love and faithfulness for other things. And you can see it. You can see it where it's going. You can see the consequences happening. There are consequences to our choices. I want to ask you to choose God today, tomorrow, and every day. You know what? None of you raised your hand on the vacation church thing. That's, I get it. But listen, there is nothing better you can do for yourself, for your relationship with God, and for your family than to choose to go to church, to read your Bible, to pray every day. There is nothing more important you can do on your vacation. There is nothing more important you can do tomorrow at work than to have the right relationship with God, to let God be your king. If you're focused on other things, you'll miss it. And so I want to ask you to choose the Almighty God. I want you to put your priorities and your faith in God. And the third thing that we see, and this is the good news today, is that God will continue to love us. God will continue to pursue us. God will continue to offer us a covenant relationship through Christ. No matter how many times you've blown it today. If some of you may be sitting there and you, maybe you're thinking, I, I've traded the one true king for something silly. I've gotten too caught up in my career. I've gotten too caught up in, in, in what I need to do to get through the day tomorrow. I've, I'm too busy, and I've traded my relationship with the true king for silly things. Good news is this. God will continue to love and pursue you. In fact, as we're going to talk about next week, the people chose to have a king. God's response was to give them the king that they really needed. And that's Jesus. So today, as we close, I'm going to have the band come up. And we're going to sing a song that talks about, it's an old hymn of the church. It's Be Thou My Vision. And this song is really just a statement or, or a cry out to God. God, be my king. Be the one that provides for me and protects me and guides me. And so I think there's probably four different types of people in the room today. Maybe there's some of you that would say, I don't really know that that God is my king or ever has been, but I want to explore that a little bit further. If that's you, I want to encourage you to continue to think about that. I want to encourage you to share your thoughts with others. If you want to talk, I, I'd be happy to talk with you 
any of our pastors, anybody here. We're here to worship together. We're here to walk this journey together. If you, if you want to continue to explore that conversation, I, w- I want to ask you to follow up on it. But then there are some of you probably here today that would say, hey, I've traded the almighty God. I've traded the provision, protection, and guidance of God for silly things that can't give me what I need. If that's you today, as we sing this song, I want you to refocus your eyes, refocus your heart, refocus your life on God. And maybe there's some of you here today that you'd say, I'm doing well. I want to ask you to just channel your worship to God today, to continue to focus on who God is and what God has done because God has been faithful over and over again and God will continue to be faithful. And if we will choose to follow God, we will have life, the best life we possibly can. We will follow God, we will serve God, and you know what? The things that that hurt the other kings and kingdoms, they can't hurt us because we've got a God that loves us and provides for us, and protects us, and guides us. So today, I want you to stand up, and we're going to sing, Be Thou My Vision, and I just want to ask you to make that the focus of your heart today. Father, as we sing together, as we end our time here together, I pray, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us will set our eyes and our hearts on you, I pray that we won't make the mistake that we've made and the Israelites and many others have made throughout time and trade your love and provision for silly things. I pray that each and every one of us will give you our heart and our lives today. In Jesus' name.